Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles. And I realize there's something going on a little bit with this mic and our sound guys. They, they're doing the absolute best job they can to work out some of these kinks. It may crackle a little bit while I'm talking today. We, you know, it just happens sometimes. So uh, we apologize for that. But hopefully you can still track with the main uh, bulk of what I have to share today. And, and we're going to watch a video in just a minute as we uh, as we consider this passage for today. But we're continuing our series in the book of uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter uh, seven is where we are. And uh, I want us to read uh, verses 13 through 20. We may not get to uh, all of that today, but we've got a couple more weeks to, to uh, get our way through the end of chapter seven. So I think we're in we're in good shape uh, here again. This is a, a message uh, straight from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ about what it uh, looks like or should look like for us to live in his kingdom. And uh, as we read these uh, verses today, and, and then I'll, I'll give a little intro to our, our video, uh, it's, it's an uh, incredibly challenging thing that Jesus calls us to, to walk in this pathway of his, uh, but also an incredibly beautiful thing as well. So read along uh, with me, if you would, and you can remain seated this week. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 13 to 20 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide. And the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you'll recognize them by their fruits. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we... Uh, just call out to you again, as we do regularly each week after reading your word and before the preaching of it, because we uh, recognize how greatly we need your special attention, your special direction for understanding, applying, engaging, being encouraged by, being challenged by your word. So help us in that way today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. They're uh, bringing up this uh, video. We don't all, all the time, in fact, rarely show videos to kind of open up the sermon time and certainly don't usually show those that are six minutes long. But uh, this thing came across my path, uh, pun intended, <laughs> this last week as I was thinking about our, our verses, our passage for, for this week and what Jesus says about uh, traveling that uh, narrow road and both the, the beauty of it. And the danger of moving off of it, if you will, onto the wider path. And we know that we're invited to that pathway through Jesus' redeeming and rescuing and saving mercy and grace. We want to go ahead and turn the lights off. That's fine. Um, and, and yet we also know that we're, we're invited to come to a, to a heavenly place uh, through that pathway. I thought this, uh, this video was just a powerful picture of it. The, the message at the beginning is just a, this is some mountain biking guy who does some incredible stuff, but, uh, but he's going he's gonna to ride this path, and let's see what happens. Well, if it's your first time seeing that, probably got your heart or stomach right up about here watching that guy move. 
Probably a couple disclaimers should be made. Uh, number one, little ones, don't try this at home. Peter's boys, little ones, especially you don't try this at home. Uh, number two, I have no idea what that song in the background is about, so I'm not responsible for that. But, uh, but what a picture, isn't it? What a picture of, in my mind, a lot of what the Christian life is about is about a journey, and maybe we don't feel like it's, you know, always quite as precarious as, as this guy's uh, location was, but uh, how amazing it is. You know, we think about, we hear verses like this in a culture like ours that's a, a relativistic culture where the idea of saying that there is one way to connect with the living God, that that comes through Jesus Christ, sounds extremely exclusive and narrow, and Jesus is saying exactly it's exactly right, because it's the only way to know and experience God because of what Jesus has done. And yet, when you travel along that pathway, you can travel a pathway to great beauty. Your, your life is filled with the expanse of being able to see all of who God is. And, uh, of course, we had, we had a little debate among uh, Derek and Ben and, and those guys that helped me with things like those videos about whether to, to save a couple of minutes in the, you know, in the sermon time by, by cutting things off at the end there. Uh, just when he rode down the top part. But I thought, what an awesome picture when he's he's climbing up. And sometimes it feels that way on the path, doesn't it? Like you're you're hauling this bike and you're you're barely moving. And then there's these seasons where you're in, in your walk with the Lord and you're just flying down the hill like he was. And and the big debate was, do we include the flip at the end? And I love that flip. And it, again, I, I don't think the guy making that video has you know, any sort of necessarily gospel perspective on it. But if you think about our lives and that flip we're going to hit uh, to head on into eternal life and then for him to sit at the at the beach at the end and look out on that beautiful ocean scene, a heavenly scene indeed. Boy, it made me think about uh, Jesus's word. And I think uh, gives us a picture of what Jesus has to say in this uh, in this passage. Again, it it's it's tough for us to hear what Jesus so you know tough in in any time in any perspective we're not the first people that have come up with the idea that uh, you know there's got to be all kinds of ways to sort this out surely Jesus's pathway is is not that tight uh, Jesus's pathway there, there can't just be two ways to go you know we're not the first culture that's wrestled with that but that's our pervading message in our time and i i thought it was interesting as we think about this idea that the the passage really implies and the video shows as well that that, that really the, the consequences are great the consequences of the decisions of the pathway we decide to take with our life are great and because of that uh, we're called we're invited to discern the way of god's kingdom to find that way, to pursue that way when we have uh, found it. And if you want to follow along in the notes section of the worship guide, it's towards the back, the last page or two of your sermon notes. And you might want to do that today, even if you don't always uh, do so, just because there's several quotes in there. Starting with this one, I think that's in there from G.K. Chesterton. He's a British fella and wrote this uh, decades ago, uh, and yet so accurate to... Uh, the struggle we face in our own time as those who are trying to sort out. I realize there's people here that are you're maybe just here investigating. You're, you're not you're not sure what you believe about the way. And, and it's a little abrasive to even hear and think that there is this way to know God and to come to salvation. That's interesting. 
what G.K. Chesterton has to say about that. He says, you are free in our time to say that God does not exist. You're free to say that he exists and that he's evil. You're free to say that he would exist if he could. You may talk of God as a metaphor or a mystification. You may water him down with gallons of long words or boil him in the rages of metaphysics. It's not merely that nobody punishes. Nobody protests. But if you speak of God as a fact, as a as a thing like a tiger, as a reason for changing one's conduct, And the modern world will stop you somehow if it can. We are long past talking about whether an unbeliever should be punished for being irreverent. It's now thought irreverent to be a believer. Jesus is inviting us to this pathway of being a believer that he says, and he doesn't sugarcoat it. Don't you like Jesus? You know, everybody else is a slick salesman. They're trying to get you into their program, get in the front door, telemarket or whatever. Jesus is pretty upfront about things. He says, you want to walk in the pathway that I've invited you to, this pathway of life and forgiveness and redemption of knowing where you're going? Guess what? It's a hard path. It's a narrow path. Now, he says elsewhere that, hey, my, my burden is light compared to trying to live life on your own. So he makes that clear. But we should expect there's a challenge to the life of walking in Christ. And we ought to recognize that. It's a little bit surprising again for us to hear on the lips of merciful, loving, gracious, forgiving Jesus to say these words that are such a stark contrast between one way and the other. Jesus is not interested in being politically correct in his time or in ours. And while he calls us throughout the rest of the Sermon on the Mount to be people of great mercy, to be people who recognize we are poor in spirit, so we don't uh, pridefully uh, talk about the fact that we have uh, gotten in this kingdom way. We recognize we're in the kingdom way simply by his mercy and grace. There's nothing special about us. In fact, he, he highlights the fact that we're needy, we're helpless people. That's how we've come into the kingdom. So when we speak of there being uh, the way through Jesus, we don't speak of it in an arrogant way or an elitist way or an unnecessarily exclusive way or a way that we've somehow warranted it. Uh, we speak of it as one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's the picture here. It's interesting as Jesus lays out these two ways and you can look you know, back at this Matthew passage with me. I want to walk through these a little bit. You know, he talks about two things, two, two ways, broad and narrow, two teachers, false and true, and two trees, good and bad, the fruit of those trees. And, and we, we may or may not have time to get to all that today, but at the very least, I want to talk about the, the two ways. Take a look with me at uh, uh, chapter 7 again, verse 13. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few so you have in these two ways underneath that heading we've got you've got two uh, pathways if you will two widths of roads you've got two gates you've got two destinations and you've got two groups of people let's walk through all of that today at least in our time together 
We think about the two ways, you know, this, this isn't a new idea in Scripture uh, either. Uh, psalm 1, all the way back in the Old Testament, one of the, you know, the very first psalm, right at the beginning there of the psalm, is, is a powerful message about the different directions we can go in our lives, different ways we can respond to what we know or may understand about God. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man. It sounds like the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, those blessings that are called out by Jesus, the Beatitudes. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And so right off the bat there, we see kind of what is, what's, what's separating these two uh, pathways. The, the, the one is blessed because he delights in, in what God teaches, and, and not just God's commands, but in who God reveals himself to be as uh, the, the creator, the, the Lord, the redeemer, the rescuer. Uh, that's what God's word would show us in Psalm 1. And then it goes on and kind of in line with our passage that we, we see a little bit later in these verses. It says, he, the blessed one, the blessed man is like a tree planted by streams of water and it yields its fruit in season. Whatever it does prospers, its leaf does not wither. What a picture of our life, just like that picture of that pathway and that guy riding along. What a picture of the pathway we can have with Christ. The picture of a, of a large, uh, fruitful tree. What a, what a wonderful picture. Don't, don't we all desire at some level for that to be true of our lives? Whatever that means in our different ways. Each of us has different gifts, and, and for us it's going to look differently what it looks like for that tree to be fruitful. But those paths make a difference, whether we walk in the path of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers or we become people that are connected with God uh, through knowing his word and are those fruitful trees. It goes on later in Psalm 1 to say that, uh, that, that, that the wicked, those who, who wander away and do not pursue the path of the Lord, are like chaff. Do you know what that chaff is? You know what it means? You know, we think about being chaff, you know, chafed or whatever. The chaff is like, and we saw this one time down in Peru on a mission trip out in the, out in the hills. Some of the farmers still farming in sort of the ancient way. Uh, they, they wouldn't do this today. I'm sure they have some industrial equipment to do it. But you bring in the grain. And they, they would take the grain in ancient times and they'd put them on what they call a threshing floor. And they had some kind of uh, sort of shovel type thing or like a big fly swatter deal. And, and they would take the grain with the, the kernel around it, the, the light outer part of it, and they would toss it up in the air. You can picture like a windy day, a breeze blowing through and the chaff, the part that wasn't the seed, that wasn't useful for making you know, bread or whatever you were going to make, it would just blow off. It would just blow away and drift. Well, Psalm 1 lays out for us in the Old Testament a picture of this pathway. And I like what uh, the commentator John Stott points out. He says, you know, th- the reason that Jesus describes the, the way to destruction is wide is not, you know, he talks about the number of people that are on it. So we can picture you'd have to have space, I guess, for all those folks. But 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 is is really the fact that it's easy to get on, right? A, a bigger road, you can just kind of eat more easily travel. It's not like the narrow path along the ridge that our bike rider guy was riding. And John Stott says this about the spiritual meaning of that. He says superficiality, self-love. Hypocrisy, mechanical religion, false ambition, judgmentalism, 
These things we do, do not have to be learnt or cultivated. Effort is required to resist them. No effort is required to practice them. Do you believe that today for you and me? That's kind of part of our theology that we believe about the brokenness of humanity is that our default setting is actually to go away from where the Lord would have us to be and that we need him to rescue us, to pull us back and to give us the ability, the desire, the purpose to go along his pathway. Second thing we see under that point about the two ways is the the two gates. It's interesting. Jesus talks about this narrow gate and the uh, the wide gate as well. You know, you think about uh, gates, what you know, what makes it challenging is the stuff that we bring with us. Right. The, the backpacks that we have. I don't know if you've ever done any backpacking with one of those bigger frame backpacks, like a like a long camping trip backpacking. And and, and I've got one of those old school backpack. You know, it's, it's about this much wider than your body and, you know, stands up this high. And if you got a bunch of gear on it and you try to go through a doorway or a, 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 an area where you think you could get through easily by yourself, all of a sudden, oh, you know, you get caught. You can't move on forward because you got this big. Well, people. Most of us, starting with me right up here, we got backpacks on our backs the size of semi-trucks. We have trouble getting through the narrow way because we have trouble taking all of this stuff and bringing it into the reign and rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to get through that gate when you got all this you know, stuff back behind you. I've been listening, of course, to the newer U2 album. I think I referenced during communion a few weeks ago that, but I, I listened back. I always have to clarify, young ones, I'm saying the letter U and the number two. I'm not talking about the web channel, YouTube. U2, this band that was popular for some of us and still continues to be. On their previous album, which is titled, I think, All That You Can't Leave Behind, they have a song that's called just called Walk On. And, and, and again, the Lord just brought this to my mind as I was preparing for this week. Uh, I don't feel the need, as I've said before, to make any huge claims about where you two stands on the spiritual perspective. But they certainly seem to highlight some biblical things in their songs. Listen to the words of the song Walk On. Maybe you've listened to it before. Maybe you have the album. He says, love is not an easy thing. The only baggage that you can bring is all that you can't leave behind. And if the darkness is to keep us apart, and if the daylight feels like it's a long way off, and if your glass heart should crack, and for a second you turn back, oh no, be strong. Walk on. What you got, they can't steal it. No, they can't even feel it. You're packing a suitcase for a place that none of us has been, a place that has to be believed in, To be seen, walk on. What you got, they can't deny it, can't sell it or buy it. And I know it aches and I know your heart breaks and you can only take so much. Walk on. And then it goes on and says, leave it behind. You've got to leave it behind. And then lists all that you fashion, all that you make, all that you build and all that you break, all that you measure, all that you steal, all That uh, you reason and all that you care, all that you sense and all that you speak, all you dress up and all you scheme, 
all you create and all you wreck and all that you hate. I think what they're saying and even highlighting in that song, I don't know if they had this passage in mind, is that it's just it's 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 hard to walk this pathway because it means taking all that we are and saying, Lord Jesus, would you make me into who you would have to be so that I can walk through this gate and travel in that way. We know he's merciful to do that. We know he delights to love those who have big old semis of stuff on their back that aren't submitted to the Lord. He loves to to see us be transformed by his mercy. So it doesn't keep us out that we have that backpack, but that backpack's got to be submitted together with the whole rest of our lives to the Lord Jesus if we're to walk with him. So two uh, paths, two gates, two destinations. Uh, Boy, this passage goes from, you know, difficult to even more difficult. If we live in a time where we really are uncomfortable, and maybe you're even uncomfortable hearing me say it, living uncomfortable or uncomfortable living with the idea that Jesus's word says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. We're also really a difficult struggle for us is to believe in the fact that there's a destructive way and a way that the Bible describes as a place called hell, that that's a, a place of really eternal separation from God. That's where we're we're not with God anymore. We don't get to experience and and whether we realize it or not in this world, we're kind of in a middle realm, you know, because as much of the difficulties as we face, we still have a lot of blessings Because we live in a place that God made and we're people who God created. And so we do experience some love and some grace and some goodness in this life. And uh, Jesus is is really clear in these verses that, uh, again, there's there's two directions we're heading. And it doesn't just mean, you know, we uh, we don't have as nice a, a roadway as other folks. It means we're headed some way where we'll no longer be able to experience the mercy and grace of God if we haven't surrendered and received what Jesus has done for us. So there's two destinations laid out here. And then it's interesting, and maybe we'll wrap up with this. It talks about there being uh, two different groups. All right? This kind of goes without saying in in this, but there is a a choice that we have to make in our spiritual life. Now, we in our sort of Reformed uh, Presbyterian kind of circles, as our church is, we, we would emphasize for good reason God's moving sovereignly in the world. There's great comfort in that, great security in that. It's in God's word, so we believe it. At the same time, we can sometimes take that to such an extreme that we have a sort of fatalism. You know, we think that we really, we're not really doing anything in this life. We know that God's directing it, so somehow that can get in our mind in a way that we think it doesn't matter what we choose or what path we take. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. The Bible teaches that the first and primary cause of everything is certainly the living God who rules over all this. But the secondary cause is, is us and the choices we make, the way we direct our lives. So the invitation here from Jesus is, is crystal clear, and we shouldn't you know, sugarcoat it or reduce it just because we know and believe in a sovereign God. There's a pathway for us to walk. And, and what, a, what a beautiful thing to know if, if, you're, if you've come to know the pathway and you've been walking on it, and you've kind of wandered off the edges a bit and you're, you're teetering on the side on that, you know, that bike rider kind of off the side of things. 
that, that Jesus is ready to welcome us back. We see that in his word with the, you know, the son, uh, the son that runs off from the father and comes back and the prodigal son, we call it, and is re- you know, welcomed back in. So there's grace and mercy for that. We don't have to feel like we can't get back on it. But there's also a credible warning here that Jesus has given to us to say, boy, everything that we can do, every way that we can call out to God for his power, we ought to try to ride that pathway because it's a pathway not only to beauty, not only to heavenly majesty, but it's a pathway of, of, of safety and of goodness. And what an amazing thing, even though the passage says that of those who find it are few. All right. And that's just a reminder, I think, for us to not feel strange that we're in a world where not everybody is going to recognize the pathway. I think Jesus is just clearing the air on that because he says in Revelation chapter seven, verse verse nine, that in heaven there'll be a great multitude of people from every tribe and tongue and nation. When Jesus says that the those who find it will be few, he means it in relative proportion to the, the many who might wander on the other path, but he certainly doesn't by any means uh, mean that there won't be many that find their way to Christ. We're seeing that in our own time. And I know I mentioned this from time to time, probably every four or five months, even though in our uh, in where we live and the people we interact with, it frequently seems that the things of the gospel and of the scriptures are being pushed to the edges of our society. The reality is, is that in our time in the world, more people are coming to receive and surrender their lives and walk on that pathway of Christ than have happened in, in centuries before in South Africa, in China, even in the last, you know, five years ago when we started this church, I didn't even talk about India because there wasn't all that much. Well, in India now, even more and more are coming to salvation by the tens of thousands uh, over months and months. So God is doing a work to invite many to come on this path. And Jesus is reminding us here of the nature of the path. And let me close with these words from a writer, Mark Buchanan, who, again, I don't know a, a ton about his background, but I always like this, uh, this message. He says this. He says, our future, who we are becoming, where we are going, matters more than our past, where and who we have been. Our future has more power to name us and define us than our past. Consummation swallows origins. Destiny, not history, is the ultimate ground of our identity. And then listen to what he says. How does a prostitute named Rahab, a Moabite outsider named Ruth, an incestuous schemer named Tamar, and an adulteress named Bathsheba end up in the birth line of Jesus? Did you know all those people are in the birth line of Jesus? It's encouraging for me and And for you, I hope as well. Listen to this. Because in God's economy, the person we become, not the person we have been, is the person we truly are. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that uh, those words I just read are true. And I pray for each one of us here to believe that. For those uh, here that are discouraged, maybe because of the struggle of trying to walk in your path and for those that maybe 
feel like myself, frequently uh, wandering off of it, and um, maybe even wonder if you would be gracious to let us back on the path. We thank you that you're merciful and forgiving uh, that way. Uh, Lord, we thank you that ultimately it's the blood and, and life and mercy of Jesus Christ that is the determining factor for where our life will head. And yet, this passage reminds us that that work of mercy that we've experienced is supposed to translate, should translate, into a life that walks in the path that you call us to. And so, Father, we pray that that be true of us uh, individually, that be true of us as a church family, and that in uh, walking in that path, we might find uh, not only that we're walking with you and experiencing you, but we're experiencing all the beauty that you have for us, uh, even on the tough climbs and the difficult, uh, difficult ways to navigate, that we would know that you're there with us. And Father, I pray for uh, any here who have not come to a place of, of seeing uh, their need for the mercy and rescue of the Lord Jesus Christ to, um, to be able to uh, enter that narrow gate and begin to walk on your path and to avoid uh, the destruction that's described here, that uh, you would work in hearts and lives and minds to bring salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.